You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. God's Cure for the Common Life has been our series uh, that we've looked at over the last uh, last several weeks. Today, I believe, is, is part four of that. Uh, and we're going to begin tonight... We're going to begin in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, and I believe we have that, yeah, we have that for the screen, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. As we've gone through this series, God's Cure for the Common Life, we've looked at uh, a one word in particular, one word that's a, a, a very important Bible word, it's the word holy. It's a word that means to be set apart. It's a Hebrew word kadosh that literally means to be a cut above, set apart, different from ordinary or different from common. And I believe that every one of us, God has called us to an uncommon life. He's called us to something more than just enough, just existing, just doing what we've been shown by by a fallen, broken world, but instead to live for an eternal purpose that we were created and designed for before even the heavens and the earth were formed. God had a purpose for your life and mine. And uh, one of the adventures of the Christian life is, of course, to first say yes to Jesus and receive salvation and eternal life. But then from that place of eternal life that we grow in knowing God, and then we discover our purpose. Uh, and we're, we're really big believers in uh, that everybody has a calling from God, and we want to help you discover that, walk in that, uh, step into it. Uh, and so that's a part of our mission, to see every person know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. But here's what 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he has saved us and called us. He has saved us and he's called us with a holy calling. It's not an ordinary calling. It's not a, an un, it's not a common thing, but it's a holy calling calling, not according to our own works. That is, you know, God called us irrespective of our response. He called us before we were even took our first breath. God had a plan for us. God had a purpose for our life. Sadly, most people, I believe, never discover that because we find our purpose in a relationship with Jesus. And even fewer walk in, and we're going to give you a few keys tonight to uh, practically respond, but also to walk in our God-given purpose. So uh, it says, according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Ephesians chapter 2, after describing the salvation we have that's by grace through faith, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we didn't work for it, we weren't good enough to try to get it, but he saved us by his grace, and our faith, when we receive Christ, receives. As we repent and believe, that's what faith, that's a, a, a major aspect of what faith is, that we turn to Jesus. And when we turn to Jesus, we're not manufacturing, we're not fixing even ourselves, but we're drawing near to God, and he saves us, and we receive by faith. And the result of that, salvation is of course a home in heaven but he's also called us to something right here on the earth verse 10 from the new living translation says this for we are god's masterpiece just tell your neighbor you're sitting next to a masterpiece some of you got to say it come on you're sitting next to a masterpiece (laughs) he's created us anew in christ jesus so we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago So God prepared for each of us things that we're to do, that we're called to, that we're to walk in. And when we find Jesus, we find our purpose. 
Now, I believe your purpose is unique to you, although there's a common denominator that we're going to look at tonight that kind of transcends all of us, that all of us are called to walk in. Uh, but everybody has a unique God-given passion and purpose from God. You're created to discover what that purpose is. You're created to walk that out. You're not called to be somebody else. You're not called to walk in somebody else's purpose. You're called to walk in the purpose that God has for you. We identify our God-given passions. One of the things we do as a part of Next Steps, those of you who come will see this, is where we help people identify what their God-given passion is because you find something on the inside, deeply seated within you, that only, you know, there's a story in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. God gives him a dream of a, of a statue, of an image, and of course it speaks to uh, prophetic events that would come. But, but in the dream that God gives this ungodly, pagan king who actually demands to be worshipped, by the way. So this guy's not, you know, somebody graduating Sunday school. <laughs> this is a guy who's got some issues. God gives him a dream. Not the devil, but God. God gives him a dream, but he doesn't put the answer in it. He gives him the question, puts a question in his heart that nothing outside of God can answer. And then God puts an answer in Daniel. And Daniel speaks to Nebuchadnezzar the dream and its meaning, its, its purpose, because God wants to unlock what is buried deep on the inside. See, he doesn't create you. That's why when you discover your purpose, it's not ill-fitting, it's perfectly suited, because God's created you, and he's put what you need on the inside. There's so many people that are like, well, if I say yes to God, you know, he's going to make me, you know, go places, you know, and do things, go, you know, and, 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 you know, there are times in my life that I've said yes after I've said a few no's. One of those might have been starting a church in the Midwest, <laughs> leaving Florida. I'm kidding. Kind of. No, but... But there's moments that we recognize... When we finally come to that place to say, you go, oh, wow, it was, it was there all along. I just didn't see it. But see, that's the thing is sometimes we have all kinds of areas in our life that get buried by hurts, disappointments, uh, unbelief, all these different things. And we bury what God has placed deep on the inside. Psalm 37. I read this to you a few weeks ago, but uh, it's worth repeating. Verse 4, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. These are godly desires, God-given desires. But he says, I place them on the inside of you. Delight yourself in me. Make me your pursuit. Make me your focus, your attention. As we worship Jesus, God begins to unfold what he's placed on the inside. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. It's not something I have to manufacture, make happen for me. I follow Jesus, and he opens doors I couldn't open. Let's look at a story tonight uh, in Acts chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to spend most of tonight here in this passage. Uh, I'm going to read it from a different translation, the New Living Translation. I, I like the way it puts it, but here's what it says in verse 1. Meanwhile, uh, this is the story of, of the Apostle Paul before he was a Jesus follower, and, and in the process of him encountering Jesus and being changed. Uh, he's known as Saul at this time, Saul of Tarsus, and he's a great persecutor of the church. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest in Jerusalem, and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. If you don't know what the way is, some of y'all remember the Jesus movement. Y'all had Bibles that said the way on it. You know what I'm talking about. Do you know why they actually, believers in Jesus were known as the way. 
The reason they were known as the way is because that's the course they followed was Jesus. They were known not by the religious association, but that they were followers of the way. They followed a person. Okay, so, so that's what defined them. And so the, he says that, uh, it says that he's eagerly waiting to arrest any followers of the way that he found there. And he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So in chains, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I think it's from this that Paul would later recognize that, that each one of us is a part of, when we're a part of the church, we're a part of the body of Christ. Because from the beginning, when he was a persecutor of the church, he wasn't just messing with Christians, he was messing with Christ. He was messing with Jesus. When he messed with the body, he was messing with the head. And Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? So I'll ask him, well, who are you? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw nobody. And Saul picked himself up off the ground and when he'd opened his eyes, he was blind. And so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and didn't eat or drink. This great persecutor of the church was now humbled blinded, absolutely dependent, but he's given a very important instruction. He's to go to this place. Now in verse 10, we're going to meet the other side of a God encounter. See, part of the God encounter was Jesus appearing to Saul, but that was only half the process because Jesus already began to set in motion something that was going to change not only Saul's life, but the lives of people that were in the church. One in particular, a man named Ananias, His name means the Lord has favored. And, you know, we think favor means, you know, I get the closest parking space. Thank you, Jesus, that's favor. Anybody ever pray for the close parking space? I did. And then after I grew spiritually, God made me walk a little bit. I don't know why. (laughs) Favor includes things that are God opening doors and making a way. But favor is also him highlighting us in a moment of obedience, calling us into a moment moment of faith. And God shows up to the, the one who's favored, shows up to Ananias, and here's what he says. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. He was, he was probably on Saul's list. He would have been affected by his persecution. The Lord spoke to him in a vision saying, Ananias, and he says, yes, Lord. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. And I've shown him a vision. (laughs) I love this. God says, I've shown him already a vision of a man named Ananias. I've already told him about you. I've already prepared his heart. I've already made a way for you. He already showed him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he could see again. I've got three simple points from this story. The first one is this. We discover our purpose by encountering Jesus. We discover our purpose by encountering Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts with him. 
And so if you want to discover what your life's purpose is, you go to Jesus. If you want to grow in it, go to Jesus. It's that simple. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have texted me questions and comments over the years that I've pastored, people I've pastored, and uh, my advice is some form of this, go to Jesus. Well, it can't be that simple. <laughs> There's a lot of issues that I fought through that abiding took care of. There's a lot of issues that I applied spiritual principles, and spiritual principles are good, but there's something even better than principles, relationship and his presence. Because when Jesus shows up, demons tremble. When Jesus shows up, chains are broken. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. Saul has this encounter. Jesus knocks him off his donkey. I won't read it from the King James. Um, he knocks him off his donkey and he ends up on the ground. And there's a voice from heaven and everybody else can't see it, can't recognize it, except Saul. And Saul's there and it's the Lord speaking to him. Of course, you already heard this. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and this first part of Acts, he describes one, the, the writer Luke describes one of two questions that Paul would ask the Lord. Saul at this time. So first he asks, he says, who are you, Lord? Later, as Paul would <clears throat> recall this testimony and this encounter with Jesus, at the end of the book of Acts, he's having to testify of, of his story. And he adds a little bit of information that's not in this first part. And one of the things that is included is a second question that Paul says to the Lord. First, he says, who are you? Because we got to get that question right first. The first and most important question we have to answer is, who is he? Because everything else comes from that. Who is Jesus? And from that place, the second question is very simple. And it goes into everything we're going to talk about tonight. What do you want me to to do. Because when you find out who he is, the next natural question is, what do you want me to do? Jesus's response, I've got it in Acts 26. I don't know if we have the slide for this one. I added it later, uh, Cassie. But here's what it is, verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet, the Lord says, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Jesus said, I appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. This is uh, Acts 26, 16. If you're taking notes, write it down and look at it later. He says, I, I, I appeared to you. Jesus says, I appeared to you to make you a minister, to make you something. See, your purpose is less about what you do, although that's a part of it, but it's more about what you become. And why that's important is your purpose transcends your platforms. What's your platform? Well, it's your opportunities you have to reach people. Maybe your job, your family, your environment, your whatever, wherever God's placed you, that's your platform. That's your opportunity to reach and love people. But sometimes those things change. Seasons change. I found this out years ago after uh, we, my wife and I had been involved in rebuilding a church and we knew one day we'd plant a church, but God had us there for that season and, and we didn't know how long we'd be there. It was six years of trying to get that place healthy and, 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 and it eventually you know, we saw God do so many awesome things there and then one day God told us it was, our time was up and I thought I would go from there to starting a church because that was my purpose, what I do but it wasn't what I, see, God wanted me to become something before I did something. And the next couple years, I stepped away, had, had a 
different title, different role, all those things. And I found out how when you build for something that's a accomplishment and then that season's over, if your identity is in what you do, you'll lose who you are the moment you're not doing it. The moment you retire, get let go, that person leaves, those kids grow up. My identity and being a parent, my identity and, 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 and what happens is we lose ourselves because we attach our purpose to something temporary instead of recognizing our purpose is this. Paul actually described his purpose. Let me give it to you. It's in Galatians. I do have that verse. Pull that up if you can. Uh, here's what it says. Paul re- describes him receiving his calling and he actually doesn't point back to him getting knocked off the donkey. He points back, and here's what he says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, oh wait, he called you when you were a baby. He called you before you could walk. He called you before you could talk. He called you, Paul, before you could do anything of any great significance. Because it wasn't about that. (laughs) And here's what he called him. Here's his purpose. And here's what I believe is the baseline for all of our purpose. It's expressed different ways, but it all has its root in this fundamental foundational thing. He says, says, it pleased him who called me through his grace, go to the next verse, here's what it says, to reveal his son in me. He says, "Here's here's your purpose, revealing Jesus. That's why your purpose is not the platform, is the opportunity you have right now. It's, it's what opportunity you have in front of you to share and reflect Jesus. But when the season changes, you don't lose your purpose. <laughs> your purpose, see, see I, I, I found that and I needed that lesson because I would, I would move here during a global shutdown and I couldn't start a church. <laughs> and, and, you know, I... I'm doing a lot of different things and I'm you know, serving in different capacities and community and the whole time I'm there, I'm not doing the thing that I want to be doing that I actually moved here to do. But I still have a purpose. You know, God used those two or three months to reach people that have even connected in our church through jobs I was working. Because you just never know. Somebody who, their purpose is, see, here, let, me, let me take a step back. If you're, we, we have this vision of success in the world. So, so whatever your field is, you know, if it's, if it's in business, your, your field is to, or your success is defined by growing your company, hitting certain profit, you know, marks and, and doing your different things. And so that's, that's, as a parent, success is you having, you know, three perfect children, as you, we all know, is perfectly achievable. And, and, you know, success in marriage is your wife always agreeing with you. We, we, why are you laughing so hard? Um, so we have these marks of what success looks like. And, and most of those aren't bad, but here's the, here's the thing. How does God define success? Do you know I can hit all the marks, achieve all the goals, and not be successful in God's eyes? Because here's what success is. It's not the stuff we're doing. It's what we first, it, it, it's who we, one, who we've become that he's called us to be. And then have we done what he said to do? 
The results are up to God. <laughs> okay, let, let me, I'm going to get ahead of myself. All right. So, I love the story. Paul starts out as Saul. So, so if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he would be the most successful, probably in all of church history, although we've, in the last generation, have seen God do incredible things all over the world, especially in, in the underground church in China and all these places where the church has been persecuted. It's exploding. But Paul was arguably the most successful church planter, missionary, Christian leader, all of that. Not only did he write two-thirds of the New Testament, but he planted churches all over the world in the face of unrelenting persecution. And, you know, there was the places he would go, there was very little, if any, Christian presence. Often there was none. They'd never even heard about Jesus. So he's starting ground level everywhere he goes. And then he's got a group of people who are following him from city to city trying to sabotage everything he's doing. So this is what Saul, in in light of all of this, becomes Paul. Paul becomes the greatest builder of the church who had once been the greatest persecutor of the church because purpose is also found in God's redemptive hand. As God takes places of your history and restores and redeems and gives you a testimony. David is confronted by Goliath. Goliath has a sword. David has no sword. David, you know the story. He takes Goliath down with a sling and a stone. Goliath drops to the ground, and David comes over to him, picks up the same sword that could have killed him. He cuts off the head of Goliath. And then we'll save that sword for later when he needs it because your testimony is not just about how you whooped the enemy, how God brought you through, how you overcame today, but it's something you're going to need tomorrow one day but you've still got it. You've still got that sword. Your testimony is a weapon to to beat the devil up every day. It's a testimony of God's faithfulness. Here's what God said to Israel. He said, I will appoint you for praise and fame in every place you've been put to shame. Saul's the greatest persecutor of the church. God turns him into the greatest builder of the church. What could God do with your broken history? What could God do with what the enemy thought would kill you, take you out, destroy your future, take out your, your, your relationship and your marriage and undermine your, your calling? What, what could God do in redeeming that story? You were addicted, but now you're setting people free. You were broken, but now you're seeing people healed. Your, your marriage was a mess, and now you're seeing other couples restored. What, what could God do with your story? I don't know if I'm going to get to my other points. Okay, number two. <laughs> I got to go through these quick. Number two. We enter our purpose through surrender. We enter our purpose through two things. Point number two is surrender. And we'll get to three in a minute. They're both very similar. But here's what it says in verse 13, because this is Ananias. Let's go back to Ananias for a moment. God comes in Ananias and says, hey, Ananias, I've got a plan for you. Okay, God, what is it? Do you have the winning lotto numbers, God? What do you got in mind for me today? Remember, I'm favored. He says, oh, there's this guy, Saul. You might have heard of him. (laughs) Let's let's look at it. Verse verse 13. Um, But Lord, (laughs) um, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. Uh, And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. 
as if God doesn't know any of this stuff. <laughs> you ever got, give God the reasons why you can't? <laughs> um, but purpose, we enter God's purpose through surrender. Remember, the Lord told him, I've, I've already shown his face, your face, Ananias, to him. So I've already made a way. I've done the hard part. So, so, so what's needed is not Ananias' ability, it's his availability. It's him showing up. It's him saying yes. But the Lord said, I know, I know that's what you've heard. But look what this is behind me. But he's a chosen instrument. Can I just speak to all the, all the church crowd in the room for just a second? Don't ever look at somebody and evaluate their future based on what they look like now or where they came from. Don't, you know, listen, one of my favorite things to, especially now pastoring in a small town, starting River City Church, is to hear people go, I never thought that person. They weren't talking about you, don't worry. But, but that's, 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 that's so important that we see people through the eyes of Jesus, not through the eyes of our History or even the way they look in the present, because you never know. He says, Lord, <laughs> that guy's got a messy story. Uh, he came here to persecute us, and the Lord's response is, you don't understand, he's a chosen instrument. He's uncommon. He's set apart. You gotta see that. And so he's to take my message to the Gentiles and kings as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went that's the surrender. And he found Saul and he laid his hands on him and he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me here that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes. The reason why people are the way they are is they can't see clearly. <laughs> and our job is to pray for them, love them, reach them, Speak the truth, but in love, in a way that is going to be life-giving so that they can find Jesus. And, and so here's what happens. He prays for him, scales fall off his eyes, and he becomes Paul. <laughs> the guy who turns the world upside down. The guy who builds the church. That's what surrender does. Church, that's... See, what did Ananias have to surrender? He had to surrender his fear. His excuses. His reasons for delay. Today's excuses are tomorrow's regrets. When he surrendered his purpose, or surrendered his fear, he could experience God's purpose. Number three, we fulfill our purpose. This is the last one. Jason, if you want to get ready. We fulfill our purpose by obedience. And this is a word that, you know, here's the thing. God said in, I think it's Isaiah 1, Maybe verse 16, I might be wrong on that, so don't quote me if it has nothing to do with what I'm saying, but it's in that ballpark. But it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Willingness is attitude. Obedience is the action that responds to it. So, so one day Jesus comes to the guy who's going to be known as Peter, the great apostle Peter, who's just a fisherman. He's on the side of the sea after having toiled all night long and caught nothing. Jesus shows up and says, hey, can I, can I use your boat? Put out a little from land. I'm going to teach the crowd. So he does. Peter lets him into his boat, goes out, and Jesus teaches and preaches and does what he does. And, and at the end of that, 
They're ready to come back to shore, and Jesus says to them, he says, I want you to let out a little bit from land, launch out into the deep, and cast your nets. Let down your nets for a catch. And, and Peter says, well, Lord, you don't understand. We tried that all night long, and we didn't catch anything. Peter is not inexperienced. He's a fisherman. He knows his stuff. He's an expert, you could say. Be careful what you're an expert on that, le- that keeps you from what God wants to teach you. Peter, Peter knows, like, there's no, why would I fish there? I've tried that all night. I didn't catch anything. Come back tomorrow. Jesus says, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Peter surrenders, and then he obeys. You know what he says? I tried it all. Didn't work. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. At your word, I'll, I'll obey. I'll I'll launch out. I don't understand it. Do you know understanding was never required for obedience? All of us trying to figure things out, analyze before we say yes. How's it going to work? How's this going to happen? How's that? We give God all the reasons why, why we're not qualified, why our story is too big of a mess, while we're still working through issues and we're still not qualified. And, and we don't know that He called us before time began. And even when we were in our mother's womb and could not even do one thing to earn it, to be good enough, to be qualified enough, he had already called us. He called you. If you've got a mess, give it to Jesus. If you've got a broken history, give it to Jesus. Purpose comes from an encounter with Jesus. Maybe right now you're feeling like, I don't have purpose. That's all behind me. You know, in that season when I stepped away from the thing that I thought was my purpose, or at least that I was getting my identity wrapped up in, when I stepped away for a season, it's funny how every conversation when I was dealing with, you know, feelings of, you know, man, I don't, I don't know what's ever gonna happen. I don't know if I'm ever gonna do what God's called me. You know, while I'm working through those things, because we all feel that. While I'm dealing with self-pity, it's funny how you can find, like people will find their way to you just to encourage your self-pity. <laughs> and I had one person, after, and I had one person come up to me and say, do you ever feel like the best thing you've ever done is behind you? I'm like, yeah, kind of right now. And then finally, God had to shake me out of that place to recognize my purpose isn't tied to a season. It's tied to a person named Jesus. And I have a purpose in every season, at any age, in any place, because he wants to reveal his son in me and he wants to do it in you. Would you stand to your feet? Jesus said, to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. Peter does this. He responds. He launches out with his boat, does what doesn't make sense to him, at least in the moment, but he's obedient to Jesus. And when he lets down his nets he starts to pull them up and recognizes they're so full of fish, he can't handle it on his own. And the nets start breaking. 
Because listen, following Jesus, there's some things that we try on our own that just don't work. But one word from God can change everything. But can I just say one thing about this moment? He lets down his nets, and when he pulls in this great catch of fish was not the moment heaven looked down and said, that's success. It was the moment Peter said yes to Jesus. Whether he got one fish or a thousand fish, the only thing that at the end of it all, when Peter would stand before God, that was going to matter was not how many fish he caught, but did he say yes to Jesus? We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.